Good evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Deuteronomy 9 in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. The Lord, help us to be able to read your word, to really have a, a wisdom, a discernment, to be able to listen to what others say um, about this chapter, but also to wisely read it for ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to come in, Lord, and show us, open our eyes. How do these? How does this chapter of what happened back then in around 1405 BC relate to us today? It's obvious the book was written by you, Lord. It was written by you, and you used human authors to, uh, you divinely inspired them, and it is to show us something, Lord. It is to give us wisdom. It is to give us a perspective of your view of us and also our view of history as well of what we have done and what sin has done to us. Help us to really see it so we may be drawn closer to a tighter and greater relationship, a love relationship with you. I pray and beg in the name of Christ our King. Amen. So I'm reading um, the exposition of Gil on BibleHub.com for Deuteronomy 19, for Deuteronomy 9, I'm sorry. And it says in this chapter, the Israelites are assured of the ejection of the Canaanites who are great and mighty though so great and mighty to make room for them. And in this chapter, the Israelites are cautioned not to attribute this to their own righteousness, but to the wickedness of the nations which deserve to be so treated. And that we must and that they must be faithful to God in performing his promise made to their fathers. And that it's obvious it's not dependent on their own righteousness, because they're rebellious and provoking. Uh, but it, it is actually to show um, you know, that really it is the righteousness of God that is working. And as I read this and I think about it, and also it says that there's an account of the prayer of Moses uh, for them at Horeb to avert the wrath of God from them for their making and worshiping of the golden calf. So as I read this account, this is on BibleHub.com for Deuteronomy 9, it sounds to me a lot like we are supposed to be like Israel and we are sort of inside um, Egypt, spiritual Egypt. There's so many people uh, that are not believers that we rub shoulders with and that really God is working. He's made promises to us, but it's not because we're so good. It's not because we're so good. We're actually evil and rebellious as well, but because God is so good and that we shouldn't attribute anything to anything that we have done but to also hold fast to the promises of God and that we should try to refrain from being pulled into the idols in the world. And the, the world is very idolatrous of the movies, of the internet, of, you know, there's so much um, tech, tech going on. People just worship their phones. They're on their phones all the time. And that we, shouldn't, we should use all these things as tools to propel us towards God, not be engulfed in them. And it's so easy as Christians living inside a world that is passing away. It's it's so easy that the world sort of um, tries to strangle us and tries to change us and um, make us forget about God and distract us from focusing on God. So I think this is really an amazing, I think it's a parallel. I see a pattern here is what I'm trying to say. So why don't I read Deuteronomy 9? Victory by God's grace. Listen, O Israel, today you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land belonging to nations much greater and more powerful than you. 
They live in cities with walls that reach to the sky. The people are strong and tall. Descendants of the famous Anakite giants. You've heard the saying, who can stand up to the Anakites? But recognize today the Lord your God is the one who will cross over ahead of you like a devouring fire and fire to consume them. Our God is a consuming fire. That's what it says in Hebrews 12, 29. And so that's our God. He's our leader. And um, he, his fire consumes things that are evil and bad and cleanses them and purifies them by burning away sin. It says he will subdue them so you will quickly conquer them and drive them out just as the Lord has promised. We're not trying to conquer people with power. We're trying to conquer them with God's love. But we're also trying to conquer the evil in ourselves. There's a lot of brokenness in us. There's sin in us. There's a disconnect from God in us. And we need to surrender ourselves to God so that he will work his righteousness in us. It's not anything that we've done. God's will and purpose will be accomplished in us if we allow him to do it and allow him to give us the strength to do his will and to accomplish his tasks for his purpose. I saw a guy, I think it was on Instagram, he said he prayed a prayer a long time ago and he said, Lord, make my eyes your eyes. Make my hands your hands. Make my feet your feet to do, take me where you want me to go. And it's like, Lord, use me for your purposes. Everything that I have, it belongs to you. All of my senses, all of my talents, I give them to you so that in a way that you are me, that you are working and using me to accomplish your task on earth as you used as you use Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. After the Lord your God has done this for you, don't say in your hearts the Lord has given us this land because we are such good people. No, it is because of the wickedness of the other nations that he is pushing them out of your way. It is not because you are so good or have such integrity that you are about to occupy their land. The Lord your God will drive these nations out ahead of you only because of their wickedness. And to fulfill the oath he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you must recognize that the Lord your God is giving you this good land because you are good, for you are not. You are a stubborn people. You know, same thing with us. It's not that we're so good, it's not wonderful. It's because God promised he would save us through Jesus and that he's doing that. And that everything we do, all of our accomplishments are really from by him, through him, and for him. Remembering the gold calf. Why do why did they worship the gold calf? And I looked that up. Why were they why were they defaulting to this? And I guess maybe they were exposed to this in Egypt. Maybe they had they they were exposed to this when they were slaves in Egypt. And maybe the Egyptians were worshiping a gold calf. They had an idol. Everybody likes gold. You know, I'm reading Battlefield Earth with L. Ron Hubbard. And um, he has these human beings, so the cyclos have taken over Earth. And this guy called Turl is having the humans go and look for gold because he wants to get the gold to go back to his home planet. But before he does, he's going to kill all the human beings on Earth. And he wants gold. And, you know, the humans are discovering what gold is because they've been pretty well almost extinct. And, you know, gold is soft. It's pretty. It, it can be hammered uh, very easily. It's very soft, you know, and... The, and uh, the person thinking says stainless, you know, steel is so much more useful to the human race. But everybody wants gold. It's valuable, you know. It, it's an ornament. And that's, you know, that's... Everybody wants things. They want riches. They want, um, you know, the, the god of this world, the idol of this world is money. And so maybe the Egyptians had the same way of thinking. It's something for the eyes the lust of the eyes and and maybe they created some they created a god they worshiped you know cre the creature rather than the creator as it says in romans 1 
and they used gold to fashion these idols that they could worship. Verse 7, Remember and never forget how angry you made the Lord your God out in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until now, you have been constantly rebelling against him. Well, this is quite the pep talk, but it's kind of true. This is a true uh, characteristic. This is the true nature of, um, characteristic of human nature. Even at Mount Sinai, you made the Lord so angry he was ready to destroy you. This happened when I was on the mountain receiving the tablets of stone inscribed with the words of the covenant that the Lord had made with you. I was there for 40 days and 40 nights, and all that time I ate no food and drank no water. The Lord gave me the two tablets on which God had written with his own finger all the words he had spoken to you from the heart of the fire when you were assembled at the mountain. That God is the fire, right? God is speaking from the heart of the fire. He is the fire. You talk about hell being a place, but, you know, hell is a person. It's, it's the fire is coming from God. It's his holiness. It's his wrath against sin. At the end of the 40 days and nights, the Lord handed me the two stone tablets inscribed with the words of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, get up, go down immediately for the people brought you out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted gold and made an idol for themselves. It's very easy for us to go astray. We are like sheep and sheep do tend to go astray. The Lord also said to me, I have, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Leave me alone so I may destroy them and ease, erase their name from under heaven. Then I will make a mighty nation of your descendants, a nation larger and more powerful than they are. So Moses didn't want that to happen. He prayed for his people. And Jesus also doesn't want the wrath of God against us. And that's why Jesus volunteered to come and die, live for us and die for us. So that the wrath of God would not be on us, but it would have been deflected to him. Jesus died the death of the second death. But, he, but God rose him from the dead after three days, and our Savior is alive now. And we have salvation. We have been given a gift. We have been given a second chance. We have been given forgiveness and grace. And, and the, the power of the law no longer has any strength over us. The law condemned us to death. But God um, has made us alive again through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So while the mountain was blazing with fire, I turned and came down, holding in my hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. There below me I could see that you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had melted gold and made a calf idol for yourselves. How quickly you had turned away from the path the Lord had commanded you to follow. So I took the stone tablets and threw them to the ground, smashing them before your eyes. So he took the stone tablets, he pulverized the calf, and really the stone tablets, their death, right? That's the punishment. That's what that's what it does. It crushes a person, you know? So um, the law crushes us. We fail. The law condemns us to death. But praise the Lord, Jesus took the impact of the law and gave us life. He gave us a second chance. He gave us a chance to live with God again and to be forgiven from our sins. Then as before, I threw myself down before the Lord for 40 days and nights. Jesus was also in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of the great sin you had committed by doing what the Lord hated, provoking him to anger. I feared that the furious anger of the Lord, which turned him against you, would drive him to destroy you. But again, he listened to me. The Lord was so angry with Aaron that he wanted to destroy him too. But I prayed for Aaron and the Lord spared him. I took your sin, the calf you had made, and I melted it down in the fire and ground it into fine dust. And I threw the dust into the stream that flows down the mountain. So God hears our prayers because we have Jesus. Right? Because we have the mediator, God hears our prayers in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the highway to holiness. Uh, 
and Jesus is the way to God, the way that we can speak to God without the curtain. We are now in the most holy place because we can come uh, before the presence of God because Jesus made us sinless and justified us in the eyes of God that we can come and talk to our Heavenly Father and we are not destroyed. You also made the Lord angry at Tabera, Massa, and Kibroth, Havata, and at Kadesh Barney, the Lord sent you out with his command, go up and take over the land I had given you, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to put your trust in him or obey him. Yes, you have been rebelling against the Lord as long as I have known you. Well, you know, we can bash the Jewish people, but the Gentiles are the same. We're exactly the same. Character is the same. Doesn't matter what your DNA is. Human nature without God is rebellious and devilish and is deserving of the wrath of God. But we have a forgiving God. We have a loving God who is as loving and gracious as he is perfect. And he found a way that we do not have to be condemned by the law because he sent Jesus. And Jesus is like Superman. He gets in front of that train, the wrath of God, and he stopped the train from crushing us on the tracks. Praise the Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus, Lord. That is why I threw myself down before the Lord for 40 days and nights, for the Lord said he would destroy you. I prayed to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, do not destroy them. They are your own people. They are your special possession, whom you redeemed from Egypt by your mighty power and your strong hand. We have Jesus, who is our who is our priest of the order of Melchizedek. He's our intercessor and mediator, and he ever lives to give uh, mediation for us before God. That's what it says in Hebrews, I think. Please overlook the stubbornness and the awful sin of these people, and remember instead your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you destroy these people, the Egyptians will say the Israelites died because the Lord wasn't able to bring them to the land he had promised to give them. I'm sure Satan would say, oh, oh, sure, uh, you know, God, I mean, I, I messed up, you know, but, you know, these people, they, they messed up too, you know, they don't deserve any grace, you know. I'm sure Satan would say that, but God, God found a way. There was a plan before the foundation of the world that he would save us. The, the Egyptians would say the Israelites died because the Lord wasn't able to bring them to the land he had promised to give them. Or they might say he destroyed them because he hated them. He deliberately took them into the wilderness to slaughter them. God doesn't hate us. God loves us. I love my kids, even if they're mean to me or they don't talk to me or they're silent. I, I can't help it. You love your children. I mean, most good fathers, most good mothers do love their children. You know, they would die for their kids. You would die for your kids. Jesus died for his kids. God died for his kids. We're his kids. He loves us. The devil took us away, took us hostage. He promised us something, you know, and we went with him and God went out after us and got us. We were the lost sheep and he went out after us. And if you want to come back with him, God wants you to come back with him. Verse 29, but they are your people and your special possession whom you brought out of Egypt by your great strength and powerful arm. The Lord loves the Jewish people, but he loves us too. And he wants us to be with him forever in paradise. And I, for one, I think that's a really sweet deal. And I'm taking it because I, I can't get a better offer anywhere else. God bless you all.